Still, a good omen's podfic, written by fire and read by jar. The clock chimes. Aziraphale breathes in, slow and deep, aware of the drum of his corporation's heart and the weight of his hands resting in his lap. The cloth bound around his eyes has left the world dark, and for hours now he has knelt in silence. Sometimes, unsolicited, a finger twitches, the tap-tap-tap against its opposite sporadic and brave, but not movement of his own volition. Certainly not enough to be considered disobedience. He forces them still, pressing them lightly to their brethren, and waits. The quiet is restful, calming. The weight of Crowley's instruction a mantle around him, letting him still his mind. No more cataloguing, or reordering, or rearranging, or trying, trying, trying to find how this new world, this new life, this new place and circumstance and reality fits them. For now, he needs only obey. Some inestimable time later, the springs in the couch creak. Whether Crowley kept watch over his vigil or slept through it all, Aziraphale can't be sure. Crowley always has slept like the dead, still as stone. But he has the capacity to sit motionless when he chooses. More often than not, he chooses otherwise. But now, good. His voice is thickened and rough. Some sleep then. Long, slender fingers fed through Aziraphale's hair, curling. Did you peek, Angel? There's amusement and just enough of a note of warning in his voice. Sneak off and start moving things again. Aziraphale shivers pleasantly as the fingers pull his hair just a little. I didn't peek. I stayed still as you asked. Crowley's bare feet brush down on either side of his knees, and his other hand tilts Aziraphale's chin up, closed fingertips pressing a gentle divot into the soft flesh. And you're not fibbing, are you, Angel? His words are a whisper, and though it's said in the safety of their home, Aziraphale flinches at the memory of the time when he had. At once, Crowley cups his cheek, rounding, steadying, a reminder that he is here, that they are here together. Shh, 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 none of that. His thumb smooths Aziraphale's cheekbone. Stay here, no moving. Aziraphale presses the very tips of his fingers together as Crowley rises the whisper of his jeans sliding against skin and the stretch and size of the wooden floor underfoot. Six long paces on wood, then a change to tiles, his bare feet plaffing gently along the hall. A dozen steps and the familiar creak of a Xerophil study door. Over three hours ago, Crowley had walked him out of there in a state of disarray. It had all struck him at once as he sorted through millennia of memories, 
faced with putting everything into its new place, all touched and turned and handled and remembered. So many memories, so many secret treasures he had coveted and hidden from the eyes of heaven, and now to be openly examined and appreciated and adored. The freedom to have his beloved treasures, to hold, to admire, to display. No more secrets, no more deception, no more dancing on the edge. The realization swelled over him like waves on a breakwater, dashing him to flotsam. He stood, shaking from the realization, perhaps for hours. Certainly until Crowley had come in and found him, stock still and holding a shivering draught of purgatoria. I don't know what to do, he remembers saying, over and over, his cheeks wet and lungs burning. I can tell you what to do, Crowley said, calm as the summer sea. I'll tell you. And, like a drowning man clutching at driftwood, he nodded with relief. Crowley took the papers from his hand, gave him the word in case he wanted to stop, and told him firmly to go and kneel beside the couch. The simplicity of instruction smothered the panic, and he went, and he left. Footfalls return, approaching, and Crowley's hand comes to rest on his crown, warm and solid. Very good, Angel, he says. You know how to do what you're told. The angel sags just a little with relief, even though he hasn't moved or done anything untoward. I'm going to leave the blindfold on for now, Crowley says. Get up. His knees protest a little after hours of stillness, but Crowley's hand is at his elbow to steady him, and he straightens, awaiting his next instruction. This way. Crowley guides him by the arm, and Aziraphale trusts him not to steer him wrong. After all, when has Crowley ever done anything but take care of him? He follows, docile as a lamb, from the wooden floor of the living room to tile in the hall, and at least to the chill of stone in the kitchen, where Crowley releases him. The angel knows the layout of their home well enough, but without vision it feels unfamiliar, the proportions different, and the layout just strange enough to make him hesitate to move. He hears the scrape of chair legs on the floor, deliberate, and then fingertips at his elbow. Two steps forward, one left, Crowley instructs, then sit. He takes the steps, two, then one, but stretches back with his leg, searching for a chair he has to believe is there. Ah, Crowley says sternly, No, I told you to sit. No poking about, Angel. Strange how the fear of heaven pales in comparison to disappointing his best beloved. He folds shivering hands in front of him and quietly says, I'm sorry. Rowley presses a hand to his back, lets it rest there, the keystone holding a zero fail steady. 
I won't let you fall. He leaves his hand there and says again, Sit. The chair is there, as Aziraphale knew it would be. Of course it would be. Crowley would never be so casually cruel to make him fall. He sits, and only then does Crowley remove his hand. He pushes the chair in, then goes his hand over Xerophil's shoulder once more. The table is in front of you, he says, hands on the surface. Aziraphil obeys, the texture of the wood, all delicate waves and walls under his fingertips. An entire canvas for him to lose himself in. It's cool, too. The kitchen gets sun in the morning, but not so late in the afternoon. He drags the lines, the knots, the telling patterns of age, and listens. Water and metal, and the scent of gas and fire. The jing of china on the countertop. The rattle of cutlery and crockery. Crowley hums when he works. He always has. Jaunty little melodies that Aziraphale never recognizes, but takes comfort in them. Footsteps approach again. The fragrance of loose leaf along washes over the angel and the last of the knots tangling around him unravel, his shoulders sinking with the exhale. Crowley says nothing further, simply squeezes his shoulders and retreats back to the counter again, and Xerophil sits back and listens. The tap of the spoon on the tin, the rush of water into the teapot, then clink of cups being set into saucers unceremoniously ceremonial, a soothing and calming little ritual performed for him. The dishes clatter and rattle as Crowley bears them over to the table on a tray, setting it down, noisy with affection to be sure, as Aziraphale can hear him. He breathes in again, slow and deep and at last calm. Crowley, he says softly, Mango. Crowley's smile is tangible in his voice. Right. A warm hand skims the back of his head and the blindfold slivers away, leaving him blinking in the light. As his vision comes back into focus, he finds Crowley sitting opposite, across the small round table, and feels their ankles meet and cross beneath it. The demon raises his eyebrow as he pours tea through the strainer into Aziraphale's favorite bone china cup. Strong enough? Quite, Aziraphale murmurs, gazing at him. Thank you, dear. Crowley makes a dismissive sputtering sound, waving a hand, then pushes the cup and saucer towards him. A plate follows, laden with small, sweet morsels macarons and petit fours and bakewell tarts eat up he says you must be famished the angel picks up his teacup sipping soothing his parched throat and selects a small pink fancy it's strange and wonderful the utter calm he feels as if all the panic of earlier in the day has been siphoned away he knows Crowley is watching, still watching, waiting 
to be sure all is well. You should have something to nibble as well, he says, picking up one of the macarons, thick with tart lemon curd. He offers it across the table, and Crowley's eyes crinkle around the edges as he leans in and nips half of it from Aziraphale's fingertips, the shell flaking on his lips. Little by little, the plate is cleared, the tea is drunk, and Aziraphale feels oddly somnolent, thoughts quieted and body at rest. My dear, he murmurs, it's very odd, but I feel like having forty winks. Yeah? Crowley's smile is warm in his voice. The couch is good for it. He rises and offers a hand, which Aziraphale grasps at once. An anchor, really. He feels like he's bobbing away into a cloudless sky, even as Crowley steers him through the house and back to the living room. He hasn't really slept before, but a nap is something else. A little moment of shut-eye. It feels odd to lie down on a couch, Crowley's favorite napping spot, yet not strange enough to shake off the urge. The cushion is soft under his cheek, and Crowley drags a woolen blanket down from the back, draping it over him. He kneels, as Aziraphale did not so long ago, beside the couch, and grazes his knuckles down the angel's cheek. Did it help? he asks so very softly. With effort, Aziraphale opens his eyes, smiling drowsily. It did, he murmurs, very much. Crowley laughs. If I knew bossing you around would get you to have a kip now and then, I'd have done it years ago, he teases. His thumb sweeps along the angel's cheek. If you need it again, let me know, yeah? Aziraphale nods, closing his eyes, the warmth of Crowley's hand still on his cheek. Mm-hmm. And, as he drifts to sleep, the last he remembers is the brush of lips on his brow. The end.